This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Joe Biden says tackling inflation is his biggest domestic policy priority. But there are a lot of levers that the president, for better or worse, has direct control over that this president is just not pulling in the interest of, you know, actually addressing inflation. Cato's Scott Linsick of comments. Inflation, I believe it was John Maynard Keynes who called it a thief, and not one man in a hundred could properly identify the cause of the the rising prices that that people would see. And uh, so, you know, there are for lower income people, inflation can be devastating, uh, watching uh, their wages as a real matter shrink, uh, even as they're getting a raise. And so uh, it's worth noting all of the the the, you know the devastation the various uh industries that face uh enormous crunches other industries that face enormous windfalls but what can joe biden do about any of that if we accept the premise that inflation is everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon and that's a great place to start. I mean, I think it's really important to note that, um, look, the the vast majority of in our inflationary issues are going to be, you know, demand side, monetary policy, a bit on the fiscal stimulus side, and then the pandemic just doing its thing, right? You have this kind of wave of demand fueled by very ultra loose monetary policy and fiscal stimulus hitting uh, a supply side that is uh, unfortunately still doing crazy things because of the pandemic and now the the war in Ukraine. So once you start there, though, you think about, well, what what can the president do? And um, here, the president does have a few levers that could provide some relief, um, either on the demand side or the supply side. I mean, I think the supply side is really where he has the easiest levers, where he doesn't need Congress, and he can just act. Um, And that's unfortunately where he's not acting. And it's uh, it's extremely frustrating because I think economists on the left and the right and the middle are all looking at at some of these policy levers that the president has in front of him and begging him to pull him and he's and he's not pulling him. And I think you know the biggest and most obvious one um, are all these tariffs, right? Um, president Trump uh, several years ago implemented uh, tariffs uh, under national security purposes or on China because of intellectual property reasons, um, totaling uh, covering hundreds of billions of dollars worth of imports. Um, tariffs, uh, the national security tariffs on steel and aluminum trickled down to domestic manufacturers and were raising their prices. Uh, the, the China tariffs were spread out on industrial inputs and consumer goods, raising prices. Their studies repeatedly show that. Um, And the cool thing about these, or the interesting thing about these, is that um, these were implemented unilaterally. So no Congress. Um, they, the law provides the administration with massive amounts of discretion. As I've written, this is a bad thing. But uh, the flip side is that uh, they can be as bad as it can be that they're turned on by the flip of a switch. The president, now President Biden, can turn them off with a flip of a switch. Um, and that's that's again where where the, the easiest, the lowest hanging fruit uh, that he's just not picking. To the extent that we've seen in some industries much higher prices than in others, can we draw any conclusions about the degree to which the government has meddled? Uh, well, great pun there because metals is the perfect area to start. If you look at steel prices in particular, um, right before Trump's tariffs were implemented, 
what you saw, and these are global price benchmarks, they essentially traveled um, in tandem. They would follow the same trends. You know, the U.S. price might be a little higher, the European price might be a little lower, whatever, but they generally follow the same trends. Trump's tariffs hit, and all of that goes out the window. All of a sudden, the U.S. prices go straight up. The European prices stay pretty level. Um, and that differential is really a clear sign that something has changed in the U.S. market. And, and of course, that is a global tariff, 25% on steel from almost every country in the world. Now, and and that, as I, as I mentioned, trickles down to manufacturers because steel and aluminum are used in a lot of manufactured goods. So what you saw is uh, pressure put on the broader producer price index um, for manufactured goods in the United States. So, so I think that's a really clear example of, of the type of pressures that these tariffs can put on. Um, but the, the China tariffs um, are a broader category of tariffs. And studies have repeatedly shown that they have actually had a uh, a significant, um, not huge, but still significant impact on the general price level for goods because there's just so many goods that were covered. And the other big important thing is all the uncertainty it injects in the market. If you have a guy out there like Trump all of a sudden unilaterally throwing tariffs around, he was threatening tariffs on Mexico because of immigration, he was doing all this stuff. Well, that causes folks to further... Um, restrict their purchases to think again about buying imports. And that's going to, again, raise prices because you have demand going after less supply. So in, in some sense, you say that that suggests that there's a chilling effect. I mean, with, with the president just, well, our most recent former president, especially, uh, would threaten something. Sometimes he follow through on it. Sometimes he wouldn't. Yeah. And, and, Exactly. And that type of uncertainty chills investment. It makes you less, if you're an importer and all of a sudden um, you there's a chance of some just sort of Damocles hanging over your potential supply lines, you know what? You might uh, just temper your purchases. You might not enter into longer term contracts. Um, all of that type of stuff can can raise kind of prices in, in the areas that are affected. And that's, I think, a good segue to another area where um, there are price pressures and President Biden doing nothing about them, and that's trade remedies. So trade remedies is anti-dumping and countervailing duties, um, tariffs essentially on imports from specific countries and specific goods. Well, here, um, we just put out a study a couple months ago showing that the United States imposes a vast array of trade remedy duties on construction materials, um, which have, again, seen really dramatic price spikes in the last year or so. Um, and again, these economists have, have traced it back to the trade remedies duties contributing. Again, they're not the only cause, but they are a contributor to these, these increased prices. Um, and now that is harder for Biden to uh, remove. That is an administrative process subject to a pretty thick law. Um, but uh, there, he does have some wiggle room. He does have some discretion in calculating these duties through the Department of Commerce, in pushing for reforms to the system, and he's done none of that. And in fact, unfortunately, he's done exactly the opposite. Um, the little bit of evidence we've seen, lumber duties, for example, that are administered under the system actually doubled last year. Um, and this new House China bill um, actually makes trade remedies law even worse. 
Brooks and the president has endorsed that legislation. And all of this, again, just adds a little more pressure um, to general prices and inflationary pressures in the United States because it restricts supply. Um, you, you know, uh, admitting totally that that this is primarily a demand-driven problem, you still don't want to be out there intentionally restricting supplies via tariffs and these administrative processes and, and the rest. And um, and it really, it's, um, it's frustrating, like I said, um, because it extends even beyond tariffs. I mean, if you look at what President Biden has done on Buy America rules, which restrict uh, construction materials used in federal projects, infrastructure bill just came out, restricts those to only American-made products. Well, economists have said that's essentially like a tariff. It's going to raise prices um, in uh, in the areas uh, that that it covers, and again, that's mainly like construction materials. So we're just inflating those prices even more. Um, you have uh, Davis-Bacon regulations for labor in these construction projects. Well, the president wants to repeal a Reagan-era regulation that, that was implemented to stifle inflation, um, but the president wants to repeal that so he can jack up wages for union labor in these contracts. Again, just adding a little more pressure into the system. Project uh, labor finally, agreements. Yes, project labor agreements is another area that it's just increasing costs. So all of these things um, are intentionally, they are intended to increase costs and boost uh, the, the, the prices of, of these uh, construction materials. So let's be slightly cynical here for a moment, if we can, Scott. Can you put your mind in that spot for me? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think okay, I Okay, great. What are the short-term political benefits of higher inflation. Well, the the fact is that the law, as as we in the trade group and other folks at Cato have said for a long time, is the law gives the president way, way too many levers that he can pull unilaterally to provide political favors during election season. And you know, I I don't think, contrary to the title of my of my newsletter, that the president is actually trying to boost inflation. But the fact is that higher prices in steel and aluminum markets benefit steel and aluminum producers in the United States and of course the United Steelworkers Union as well. Um the you know uh project labor agreements, Davis-Bacon regulations, buy American rules, those are all going to benefit the domestic players, particularly labor unions um in again an, an election season. Another area, the National Environmental Policy Act, the president wants to uh, strengthen that. Well, the environmental groups love this regulation because they can sue to stop projects, but that, of course, also increased project costs. So, at the end of the day, it just you know, this is an easy way to hand out political favors through a very opaque system that the vast majority of American voters aren't paying attention to. The folks that are paying attention are the folks that are getting enriched by the system, and they don't really care uh, if if inflation is is tweaked a bit because you know they're they're getting their rents. That's all regulatory. What you've just described, uh, the levers that President Biden has pulled so far, but there are others. Uh, and they implicate spending authority that uh, mm -hmm. the president has to do all sorts of things. So what are what are the I mean, again, we're couching this within the understanding that demand is what's driving this. And that this is primarily a monetary phenomenon. But uh, to the extent that the president is taking advantage of his situation um, and giving away something to 
valued political constituencies. Yeah. Uh, what else? Right. Well, well, yeah. And that's where the demand side comes in, right? That So it, again, accepting that we're talking primarily about a monetary phenomenon. Uh, the fact is that uh, recent studies from, from the Federal Reserve, for example, have shown that, you know, uh, a significant amount of inflation was caused by all those stimulus payments that went out. That, you know, we gave people a lot of money um, without any sort of offsetting taxes or anything. And that um, they went out and spent that money, and that just adds a little additional pressure. Well, um, we have a lot more unfunded spending in the pipeline. Um, if you look, for example, at the president's budget, very little of that is offset. Uh, now, not all of that's going to get done, but there are hundreds of billions of dollars um, in unfunded uh, or in uh, untaxed, unoffset spending that is likely to get through this summer. Um, I think the big one is this industrial policy bill that started out as a $10, million, $10 billion package for semiconductor uh, manufacturers in the United States and has ballooned into not just $52 billion for semiconductors, but hundreds of billions of dollars in additional government spending on research and science stuff and all that, um, a lot of corporate welfare, again, without any offsetting taxes or, or anything. So that's going to goose demand. That's going to goose that demand side a little bit more. And then to add insult to injury, the president wants to forgive uh, student loans uh, for millions of Americans. Um, the last proposal looks like about $10,000 in student loan debt per person covering two, three, four million Americans. Now, again, those folks, you have a little bit less to spend on your student loan debt. You might take that money and inject it back in the market. So you're going to go ahead and, and once again, just just boost demand a, a little bit more. And and that, uh, again, goes back to the president just kind of handing out political favors uh, in advance of the election. Um, you know, in the, in that case, uh, you you know, you had semiconductor manufacturers earlier and now you're talking about, you know, uh, educated urbanites that the president needs um, uh, in, in 2022 and maybe 2024. Scott Lincecum is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. We spoke Monday. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.